This is chapter two of the of Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks, Puritan. Uh, the chapter is called Weighty Propositions Concerning Assurance. Now, this is a, a long chapter, and this is part three of this chapter that I'm reading. And we're in a section entitled Nine Special Seasons When Assurance is Enjoyed. And we've got as far as uh, uh, season four, which is During Times of Suffering. <coughs> Fourthly, suffering times are times wherein the Lord is pleased to give his people some sense of his favour. When they are in sufferings for righteousness' sake, for the gospel's sake, then usually God causes his face to shine upon them. Now they shall hear best news from heaven when they hear worst from earth. God loves to smile most upon his people when the world frowns most. When the world puts its iron chains upon their legs, then God puts his golden chains about their necks. When the world puts a bitter cup into their hands, then God drops some of his honey, some of his goodness and sweetness into it. When the world is ready to stone them, then God gives them the white stone. And when the world is attearing their good names, then he gives them a new name that no one knows but he that hath it, a name that is better than that of sons and daughters. When the world cries out, crucify them, crucify them, then they hear that sweet voice from heaven. These are my beloved ones in whom I am well pleased. When the world clothes them with rags, then the Lord puts on his royal robes and makes a sweet proclamation to their spirits. Thus shall it be done to the men whom the king is pleased to honour. When the world gives into one hand a cup of water, God gives into the other a cup of nectar, a cup of ambrosia. When the world gnasheth upon them and presents all imaginary tortures before them, then the Lord opens paradise to them, as he did to Stephen. When Paul and Silas were imprisoned for the gospel's sake, then God fills them with such unspeakable joy that they cannot but be singing when others are sleeping. Acts chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. God turns their prison into a palace, a paradise, and they turn his mercies into praises. Paul and Silas found more pleasure than pain, more joy than sorrow, more sweet than bitter, more day than night in the prison. God will make sunbeams of his goodness and glory to break through stone walls to warm and gladden the hearts of his suffering ones. When John was banished into the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, Revelation 1, 9 and 10, then he is filled with the Spirit and hath the choicest manifestations and the most glorious revelations that ever he had in all his days. Now God makes him once of his court and counsel, and tells him what glorious and mighty things shall be in the latter days. Now he is in a spiritual rapture and ecstasy, and carried above himself, and above all outward things, to attend those glorious visions that God would make known to him. It was God's lifting up the light of his countenance that made the martyrs to sing in the fire, to clap their hands in the flames, and to tread upon hot burning coals as upon beds of roses. This made Vincentius say, when he felt the flame come to his beard, what a small pain is this compared to the glory to come. What is a drop of vinegar put into an ocean of wine? What is it for one to have a rainy day that is going to take possession of a kingdom? The smiles of God made Sanctus to sing under the dreadful sufferings, Christianus sum, I am a Christian. And this made the Christians to sing in Tertullian's time, 
Credulitas vestra gloria nostra. Your cruelty is our glory. This made a French martyr to say, when the rope was about his fellow's neck, Give me that golden chain, and dub me a knight of that noble order. This made another to desire, when he was to die, the favour of having his chains buried with him, as the ensigns of his honour. This made Basil say, Fire, sword, prison, famine, are all a pleasure, a delight unto me. This made Paul to rattle his iron chains, and to glory in it, more than worldly men glory in all their outward glory. This made Theodoret to complain that his persecutors did him wrong, when they took him off the rack, and ceased tormenting of him. For, said he, all the while I was on the rack, I found me thought there was a young man in white, and angels stood by me, which wiped off the sweat, and I found a great deal of sweetness in it, which now I have lost. To conclude, the smiles of God upon the prisoners of hope is that which makes them more cheerful and delightful in their sufferings than Jesus Christ was in his. <clears throat> when Phaninus, an Italian martyr, was asked by one why he was so merry at his death, since Christ himself was so sorrowful, Christ said he sustained in his soul all the sorrows and conflicts with hell and death due to us, by whose sufferings we are delivered from sorrow and fear of them all, and therefore we have cause of rejoicing in the greatest sufferings. Now there are these special reasons to be given why the Lord is pleased in suffering times to visit his people with his loving kindness and to lift up the light of his countenance upon them. 1. The first reason, that their patience and constancy under the cross may be invincible. God knows right well that if his left hand in suffering times be not under his people, and his right hand over them, if he does not give them some sips of sweetness, some relishes of goodness, they would quickly grow impatient and inconstant. Oh, but now the smiles of God, the gracious discoveries of God, makes their patience and constancy invincible, as it did Vincentius, who by his patience and constancy <clears throat> madded his tormentors, wherefore they stripped him stark naked, whipped his body all over to a gore, blood, sprinkled salt and vinegar all over his wounds, set his feet on burning coals, then cast him naked into a loathsome dungeon, the pavement whereof was sharp shells, and his bed to lie on a bundle of thorns, all which this blessed martyr received without so much as a groan, breathing out his spirit in these words, Vincentius is my name, and by the grace of God I will be still Vincentius in spite of all your torments. Persecution brings death in one hand and life in the other, for while it kills the body, it crowns the soul. The most cruel martyrdom is but a crafty trick to escape death, to pass from life to life, from the prison to paradise, from the cross to the crown. Justin Martyr says that when the Romans did immortalise their emperors, as they called it, they brought one to swear that he saw him go to heaven out of the fire. But we may see by an eye by faith of faith, the blessed souls of suffering saints fly to heaven, like Elias in his fiery chariot, like the angel that appeared to Manoah in the flames, Judges 13.20. Jan Hus, Martyr, had such choice discoveries of God, and such sweet fillings of the Spirit, as made his patience and constancy invincible. When he was brought forth to be burned, they put on his head a triple crown of paper, painted over with ugly devils, but when he saw it, he said, My Lord Jesus Christ, for my sake, did wear a crown of thorns, 
Why should not I then for his sake wear this light crown, be it ever so ignominious? Truly I will do it, and that willingly. And as they tied his neck with a chain to the stake, smiling, he said, that he would willingly receive the same chain for Jesus' sake, who he knew was bound with a far worse chain for his sake. Well remember this, that their names, who by a patient suffering, are written in red letters of blood in the church's calendar, are written in golden letters in Christ's register in the book of life. To the second reason, a second reason why the Lord lifts up the light of his countenance upon his people in times of suffering is for the confirmation of some, for the conversion of others, and for the greater conviction and confusion of their adversaries, who wonder and are like men amazed when they see the comfort and the courage of the saints in times of suffering. Paul's choice carriage in his bonds was the confirmation of many, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Philip 1.14 And as the sufferings of the saints do contribute to the confirmation of some, so by the blessing of God they contribute to the conversion of others. I beseech thee, says Paul, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, Philemon 10. It was a noble saying of Luther, Ecclesia totum mundum covertit sanguine et oration. The church converteth the whole world by blood and prayer. Basil affirms that the primitive state saints showed so much heroic seal and constancy that, that many of the heathens turned Christians so that the choice spirit which the saints have shown in their sufferings, when Christ hath overshadowed them with his love, and stayed them with flagons, and comforted them with apples, Solomon's song, chapter 2, verse 5, hath maddened, grieved, vexed, and extremely tormented their tormentors. Lactantius boasts of the braveness of the martyrs in his time. Our children and women, not to speak of men, do in silence overcome their tormentors, and the fire cannot so much as fetch a sigh from them. Hegesippus reports an observation of Antoninus, Antoninus, the emperor, that is, that the Christians were most courageous and confident always in earthquakes, whilst his own heathen soldiers were at such accidents most fearful and dispirited. Certainly no earthquakes can make any heartquakes among the suffering saints, so long as the countenance of God shines upon their face and his love lies warm upon their hearts. The suffering saint may be assaulted but not vanquished. He may be troubled but can never be conquered. He may lose his head but he cannot lose his crown, which the righteous Lord hath prepared and laid up for him. 2 Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8 The suffering saint shall still be master of the day. Though they kill him, they cannot hurt him. He may suffer death, but never conquest. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Revelation 12:11. They loved not their lives that love Christ, and his truth more than their lives. They that slight, condemn, and despise their lives, when they stand in competition with Christ, may be truly said not to love their lives. In these words you see that the saints do, by dying, do overcome. They may kill me, said Socrates of his enemies, but they cannot hurt me. A saint may say this and more. The herb Heliotropium doth turn about and open itself according to the motion of the sun. 
so do the saints in their sufferings, according to the internal motions of the Son of Righteousness upon them. 3. The third reason. A third reason why the Lord causes his goodness to pass before his people and his face to shine upon his people in times of suffering, and that is for the praise of his own grace and for the glory of his own name. God would lose much of his own glory if he did not stand by his people and comfort them and strengthen them in the day of their sorrows. Ah, the dirt, the scorn, the contempt that vain men would cast upon God. Exodus 32.12, Numbers 14.13 Look, as our greatest good comes through the sufferings of Christ, so God's greatest glory that he hath from his saints comes through their sufferings. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. (coughs) On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. 1 Peter 4.14 It makes much for the glory of God that his people are cheered and comforted, quickened and raised, spiritualized and elevated in the day of their sufferings. Oh, the sight of so noble a spirit in the saints causes others to admire God, to lift up God, to fall in love with God, and to glorify God, for owning his people and for being a light to them in darkness, a joy to them in sorrow and a palace to them in prison. Daniel three twenty-eight to 30 Daniel six twenty-five to 27 God is very sensible of the many praises and prayers that he should lose if he did not cause his love and his glory to rest upon his people in suffering times. There is nothing that God is so tender of as he is of his glory, and that his heart is so much set upon as his glory. Therefore he will visit them in prison, and feast them in a dungeon, and walk with them in a fiery furnace, and show kindness to them in a lion's den, that every one may shout and cry, <coughs> Grace, grace, Isaiah 48 verse 11. Genesis 39.20, Daniel 6, verse 10, Zechariah 4, verse 7. God loves to act in such ways of grace towards his suffering ones as may stop the mouths of their enemies and cause the hearts of his friends to rejoice. The fourth reason, (coughs) believing times are times wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to lift up the light of his countenance upon his people. When his children are in the exercise of faith, Then the Lord is pleased to make known his goodness and to seal up to them everlasting happiness and blessedness. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Or, in whom believing ye were sealed, that is, as ye were in the very exercise and actings of faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord made sure and sealed up to you your adoption, your reconciliation, your pardon, and everlasting inheritance. Him that honours Christ by believing by fresh and frequent acts of faith upon him, him will Christ certainly honour and secure by setting his seal and mark upon him, and by assuring him of a kingdom that shakes not, of riches that corrupt not, and of glory that fades not. Ah, Christians, you wrong too at once. Christ in your own souls whilst you thus reason. Lord, give me first assurance, and then I will believe in thee, and rest upon thee, whereas your great work is to believe, and to hold on believing and acting of faith on the Lord Jesus, till you come to be assured and sealed up to the day of redemption. 
This is the surest and shortest way to assure it. This is a remarkable passage of the Apostles, Apostle in Romans 15.13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that he may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The God of hope, saith the Apostle, shall fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That is whilst you are in the exercise and actings of faith. The God of hope shall fill you with that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, and with that peace that passeth all understanding. Faith is the key that unlocks paradise and lets in a flood of joy into the soul. Faith is an appropriating grace. It appropriates all to itself. It looks upon God and says with the psalmist, This God is my God for ever and ever. Psalm 63 verse 1 and 48 verse 14. It looks upon Christ and says, My beloved is mine and his desires are towards me. Song of Solomon 7.10 It looks upon the precious promises and says, These precious promises are mine. 2 Peter 1.4 It looks upon heaven and says, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8 And this fills the soul with joy and peace. Faith hath an influence upon other graces. It is like a silver thread that runs through a chain of pearl. It puts strength and vivacity into all other virtues. It made Abraham to rejoice, and it made Noah sit still and quiet in the midst of a deluge. Faith is the first pin that moveth the soul. It is the spring in the watch that sets all the golden wheels of love, joy, comfort and peace a-going. Faith is a root grace from whence springs all the sweet flowers of joy and peace. Faith is like the bee, it will suck sweetness out of every flower. It will extract light out of darkness, comforts out of distresses, mercies out of miseries, wine out of water, honey out of the rock, and meat out of the eater. Judges 14.14 14 and 1 Peter 1.8 Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Upon the exercise of faith their hearts are filled with joy, with unspeakable joy, with glorious joy. Faith sees in Christ plenitudo abundantia and plenitudo redundantia, a fullness of abundance and a fullness of redundancy, and this fills the heart with glorious joy. Ah, Christians, believing, believing is the ready way, the safest way, the sweetest way, the shortest way and the only way to a well-grounded assurance and to that unspeakable joy and peace that flows from it. As the effect from the cause, the fruit from the root, the stream from the fountain, there is such assurance and such joy that springs from the fresh and frequent actings of faith that cannot be expressed, that cannot be painted. No man can paint the sweetness of the honeycomb, the sweetness of a cluster of Canaan, the sweetness of paradise, the fragrancy of the rose of Sharon. As the being of things cannot be painted, and as the sweetness of things cannot be painted, no more can that assurance and joy that flows from believing be painted or expressed. It is too great and too glorious for weak man to paint or set forth. <clears throat> when Abraham believed in hope against hope, Romans 4.18 and when in the face of all dangers and difficulties he put forth such noble and glorious acts of faith as to conclude that the Lord would provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering, Genesis 22, 8, 
and that in the mount he would be seen. Genesis 22.14 God is so taken with the actings of his faith and the effects of it that he swears by himself that in blessing he would bless him. That is, I will certainly bless him and will bless his blessing to him. And in multiplying, he would multiply his seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Genesis 22.17 Now the angel of the Lord, that is the Lord Jesus, as his own words show, verses 12.15 and 16, calls unto Abraham out of heaven, not once, but twice. And now he shows his admirable love in countermanding of Abraham and in providing a ram even to a miracle for a burnt offering. And thus you see that believing times are times wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to reveal his love and make known his favour to his people, and to look from heaven upon them, and to speak again and again in love and sweetness to them. 5. During hearing and receiving times. Fifthly, hearing and receiving times are times wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to cause his face to shine upon his people. Hearing and receiving times. When they are a hearing the word of life and a breaking the bread of life, then God comes in upon them and declares to them that love that is better than life. Acts 10.44 While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. As Peter was speaking, the Holy Ghost, that is, the graces of the Holy Ghost, that is, the joy, the comfort, the love, the peace, and so on, of the Holy Ghost fell upon them. So in Galatians 3.2, This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? By the Spirit here, Calvin and Bullinger and other expositors, to understand the joy, the peace, the assurance that is wrought in the heart by the hearing of faith, that is, by the doctrine of the gospel. For in these words of the Apostle, hearing is put to the th- for the thing heard, <clears throat> and faith for the doctrine of the gospel, because the gospel is the ordinary means of working faith. Faith comes by hearing, saith the Apostle, Romans 10.17. So 1 Thessalonians 1.5 and 6. <clears throat> For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us, <clears throat> And of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. In these words you have a divine power attending Paul's ministry. A power convincing, enlightening, humbling, raising, delighting, reforming, renewing and transforming of them that heard him. Also you have the sweet and blessed testimony of the Spirit attending his ministry, and assuring those of their effectual calling and election upon whom the word came in power, and raising up their spirits to joy in the midst of sorrow. Ah, you precious ones, sons and daughters of Zion, that have sat waiting and trembling at wisdom's door, tell me, tell me, hath not God rained down manna upon your souls whilst you have been hearing the word? Yes, hath not God come in with power upon you, and by his Spirit sealed up to you your election, the remission of your sins, the justification of your persons, and the salvation of your souls. Yes, without controversy, many saints have found Christ's lips in this ordinance to drop honey and sweetness, marrow and fatness. 
And as Christ in hearing times, when his people are at hearing the word of life, does lift up the light of his countenance upon them, so when they are receiving the bread of life, he makes known his love to them and their interest in him. In this feast of fat things, the master of the feast, the Lord Jesus, comes in the midst of his guests, saying, Peace be here. Here the beams of his glory do so shine, as that they cause the hearts of children to burn within them, and as scatters all that thick darkness and cloud that are gathered about them. When saints are in this wine cellar, Christ's banner over them is love. When they are in this Canaan, then he feeds them with milk and honey. When they are in this paradise, then they shall taste of angels' food. When they are in this gate of heaven, then they shall see Christ at the right hand of the Father. When they are before his mercy seat, then they shall see the bowels of mercy rolling towards them. In this ordinance they see that and taste that and feel that of Christ, that they are not able to declare and manifest to others. In this ordinance saints shall see the truth of their graces and feel the increase of their graces and rejoice in the clearness of their evidences. In this ordinance Christ will seal up the promises and seal up the covenant and seal up his love and seal up their pardon sensibly to their souls. Many precious souls there be that have found Christ in this ordinance when they could not find him in other ordinances though they have sought him sorrowingly. Many a cold soul has been warmed in this ordinance and many a hungry soul has been fed with manna in this ordinance and many a thirsty soul has been refreshed with wine upon the lees in this ordinance and many a dull soul has been quickened in this ordinance. I do not say that ever a dead soul hath been enlivened in this ordinance, this being an ordinance appointed by Christ, not to beget spiritual life where there was none, but to increase it where the Spirit hath formerly begun it. In this ordinance weak hands and feeble knees have been strengthened, and fainting hearts have been comforted, and questioning souls have been resolved, and staggering souls have been settled, and falling souls have been supported. Ah, Christians, if you will but stand up and speak out, you must say that in this ordinance there have been between Christ and you such mutual kisses, such mutual embraces, such mutual opening and shutting of hands, such mutual opening and closing of hearts, as hath made such a heaven in your hearts, as cannot be expressed, as cannot be declared. Christ in this ordinance opens such boxes of precious ointment as fill the saints with a spiritual savour. He gives them a cluster of the grapes of Canaan that makes them earnestly look and long to be in Canaan. Numbers thirteen twenty-three to 25 The Christians in the primitive times upon receiving the sacrament will want to be filled with that zeal and fervour, with that joy and comfort, with that faith, fortitude and assurance that made them to appear before the tyrants with transcendent boldness and cheerfulness, as many writers do testify. Now there are these reasons why God is pleased to lift up the light of his countenance upon his people when they are a-hearing the word of life and a-breaking the bread of life. 1. The first reason that they may highly prize the ordinances. The choice discoveries that God makes to their souls in them works them to set a very high price upon them. Oh, says our souls, we cannot but affect them for what of God we have enjoyed in them. Psalm 84 verses 10 and 11. 
Many there are that are like old Barzillai, that had lost his taste and hearing, and so cared not for David's feasts and music, to Samuel 19.32. So many there are that can see nothing of God, and taste nothing of God in ordinances. They care not for ordinances, they slight ordinances. Oh, but souls that have seen, and heard, and tasted of the goodness of the Lord in ordinances, they dearly love them and highly prize them. I have esteemed thy word, says Job, above my necessary food, Job 23, verse 12. And David sings it out, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver, Psalm 119, verse 72. Luther prized the word at such a high rate that he said he would not live in paradise if he might without the word. Atcam verbo etiam in inferno facile est vivere. But with the word he could live in hell itself, Psalm 27.4. 2. The second reason, God lifts up the light of his countenance upon his people in ordinances, that he may keep them close to ordinances and constant in ordinances. The soul shall hear good news from heaven when it is waiting at wisdom's door. Proverbs 8, verses 34 and 35. God will acquaint the soul with spiritual mysteries and feed it with the droppings of the honeycomb that the soul may cleave to them as Ruth did to Naomi and say of them as she said of her, Where these go, I will go. Where these lodge, I will lodge. Ruth 1 verses 15 to 17. And nothing but death shall make a separation between ordinances and my soul. After Joshua had had a choice presence of God with his spirit in the service, he was put upon, he makes a proclamation. Choose you whom you will serve. I and my household will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 verse 15. Let the issue be what it will. I will cleave to the service of my God. I will set myself in God's way. I will wait for him in his temple. Malachi 3 1. I will look for him in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Revelation 2 1. I have found him, a good master. I will live and die in his service. I have found his work to be better than wages. I have found a reward not only for keeping, but also in keeping his commandments, as the psalmist speaks, Psalm 19, verse 11. The good works, the sweet aspects, the choice hints, the heavenly intercourse that hath been between the Lord Jesus and my soul, in his service hath put such great and glorious engagements upon my soul that I cannot but say with the servant in the law, I love my master, and I will not quit his service, because it is well with me, my ear is bored, and I will be his servant for ever. Exodus 21 verse 5, Deuteronomy 15 verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> 3. <clears throat> the third reason why the Lord causes the beams of his love and the brightness of his glory to shine forth upon his people in ordinance is, is to fence and strengthen their souls against <clears throat> all those temptations that they may meet with from Satan and his instruments that lie in wait to deceive and by their cunning craftiness endeavour with all their might to work men first to have low thoughts of ordinances and then to neglect them and then to despise them. Now the Lord, by the sweet discoveries of himself, by the kisses and love tokens that he gives to his people in ordinances, does so endear and engage their hearts to them that they are able not only to withstand temptations, 
but also to triumph over temptations through him that hath loved them, and in ordinances manifested his presence, and the riches of his grace and goodness to them. The sweet converse, the blessed turns and walks that the saints have with God in ordinances, makes them strong in resisting and happy in conquering of those temptations that tend to lead them from the ordinances, from the ordinances, which are Christ's banqueting house, where he sets before his people all the dainties and sweetmeats of heaven, and bids them eat and drink abundantly, there being no danger of surfeiting in eating or drinking of Christ's delicacies. Truly many a soul hath had a surfeit of the world's dainties, and did died for ever. But there is not a soul that hath had the honour and happiness to be brought into Christ's banqueting house, and to eat and drink of his dainties, but they have lived for ever. Solomon's Song 2.4 The fourth reason why the Lord is pleased to give his people some sense of his love, and some taste of heaven in ordinances, in the Lord's Supper that is, is that he may fit and ripen them for heaven, and make them look and long more after a perfect, complete and full enjoyment of God. Souls at first conversion are but rough cast, but God, by visiting them and manifesting of himself to them in his ways, doth more and more fit those vessels of mercy for glory. Isaiah 64 verse 5 Ah, Christians, tell me, do not those holy influences, those spiritual breathings, those divine incomes that you meet with in ordinances make your souls cry out with david as the heart panteth after the water brooks so panteth my soul after thee o god my soul thirsteth for ever even for the living god when shall i come and appear before the presence of god psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 so in psalm 63 verse 1 and 2 o god thou art my god Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where there no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. In these words you have David's strong, earnest and vehement desires. Here you have desire upon desire. Here you have the very flower and vigour of his spirit, the strength and sinews of his soul, the prime and top of his inflamed affections, all strongly working for after a fuller enjoyment of God. Look as the espoused maid longs for the marriage day, the apprentice for his freedom, the captive for his ransom, the condemned man for his pardon, the traveller for his inn, and the mariner for his haven. So doth a soul that hath met with God in his ordinances long to meet with God in heaven. It is not a drop, it is not a lap and a, and a way, a sip and a way, that will suffice such a soul. No, this soul will never be quiet till it sees God face to face, till it be quiet in the bosom of God. The more a saint tastes of God in an ordinance, the more are his desires raised and wetted, and the more are his teeth set on edge for more and more of God. Plutarch saith that when once the Gauls had tasted of the sweet wine that was made of the grapes of Italy, nothing would satisfy them but Italy, Italy. So a soul that hath tasted of the sweetness and goodness of God in ordinances, nothing will satisfy it, but more of that goodness and sweetness. A little mercy may save the soul, but it must be a great deal of mercy that must satisfy the soul. 
The least glimpse of God's countenance may be a staff to support the soul, and an ark to secure the soul, and a cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night to guide the soul. But it must be much, very much of God that must be enough to satisfy the soul. 5. The fifth reason, and the fifth and last reason, why the Lord is graciously pleased to give his people some sense of his love and some assurance of his favour in ordinances, is that they may have they may have wherewithal to silence and stop the mouths of wicked and ungodly men whose words are stout against the Lord, who say it is a vain thing to serve God, and what profit is there in keeping his statutes and ordinances and in walking mournfully before the Lord of hosts, Malachi three, thirteen and 14. Now the Lord causes his face to shine upon his people in ordinances that they may stand up and bear him witness before the wicked world that he is no hard master, that he reaps not where he sows not. In ordinances he kisses them, and there he gives them his love, and makes known his goodness and glory, that his children may, from their own experiences, be able to confute all the lies and clamours of wicked men against God and his ways. And blessed be God that hath not left himself without witness, but hath many thousands that can stand up before all the world and declare that they have seen the beauty and glory of God in his sanctuary, that they have met with those joys and comforts in the ways of God that do as far surpass all other joys and comforts, as light does darkness, as heaven does hell, that they have met with such heart meltings and such heart rumblings, such heart revivings, such heart cheerings as they have never met with before in all their days. Ah, say these souls, one day in his courts is better than a thousand years elsewhere. Psalm 84.10 Oh, we had rather with Moses lose all and be whipped and stripped of all than lose the sweet enjoyments of God in ordinances. Oh, in them God hath been light and life, a joy and a crown to our souls. God is tender of his own glory and of his children's comfort, and therefore he gives them such choice views of himself and such sweet visits in ordinances that they may have arguments at hand to stop the mouths of sinners and to declare from their own experience that all the ways of God are ways of pleasantness and that all his paths drop fatness Proverbs 3 verse 17 Psalm 65 verse 11 and thus much for the reasons why God lifts up the light of his countenance upon his people in ordinances before I pass to the next particular, it will be necessary that I lay down these um, cautions to prevent weak saints from stumbling and doubting who have not yet found the Lord giving out his favours and making known his grace and love in such a sensible way to their souls in breaking the bread as others have found. I'm going to leave that there. We're going to have a fourth section of this chapter because there is so much truth compacted into this. So much glorious, lovely, beautiful, heavenly teaching that I think we can hardly take any more in this episode. Um, so the Lord bless us and bless this reading to us and we'll continue um, in the next episode with the rest of chapter 2. So this is chapter 2, part 3, part C uh, and we'll go on to part D next time.